Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Hello and welcome to the Daily Digest on the Football Digest. I'm Joe Cooper and I'm joined by Mark Jones and Alex Richards one day after Spurs sacked Nuno Espirito Santo after four months. And I almost said they finally sacked him because it it feels like it's been a long time coming even though he's not been there for a very long time, long time rather at all. Um, sort of feels like it's been coming for the last three months. I think he's the, the earliest sacking ever after winning a Manager of the Month award um, which just goes to show how sort of pear-shaped it went after... Uh, a few initial good results. Um, so we're going to go over that. We're also going to go over the four Champions League games over the next two days involving Premier League clubs. Uh, we have Man United heading to Atalanta. We have Chelsea heading to Malmo. And then we have tomorrow Liverpool hosting Atletico Madrid and Manchester City hosting Club Bruges. But I think if we start with the sacking news and the potential new manager news, um, obviously Antonio Conte heavily linked. He will probably join during this podcast slash live stream. That's how these things tend to work. We've got one eye on Spurs' Twitter account. I'm just looking at it now, actually. And uh, no, still nothing. So their last tweet was a club announcement and the next tweet will presumably be a club announcement as well. Um, but strange you, things have happened. Yeah, what picture will they use? What, what other stock image will they use? They can't go for the same one again, you've surely. Got, you've, you've got to really perfect it. You've got to do like a sad corner flag and then a happy corner flag. <laughs> there, there, are, there are differences. There are. Surely they, surely so, they differences. Conte with the um, Conte with the Premier League trophy during his time as Chelsea manager, no? Oh, that would be very awkward. Yeah. Um, but it should, should stay for people possibly listening to this podcast later. Uh, or tomorrow um, at this time he hasn't yet signed um, but we're going to assume that he has um, but we're going to start with the man who was sacked and we'll start with you Alex because yeah, you know you know, he, he was the manager of your club and it wasn't that long ago because he's not been at Spurs for very long um, do you think that Spurs have made the right decision? Uh, yes as damning as, as it is they, they weren't going anywhere fast were they? Um, and, and it looked like a situation that was just going to drag on and drag on and drag on and there wasn't going to be much improvement. He, he was never he was never the first choice for them in the summer. Um, he was always an ill fit as soon as Daniel Levy had said, we want to go back to this style of play, we want to go back to playing attacking football. Um, he, he was never that man. He was never that man at Wolves. Um, he, he always had a, a very good counter-attacking team who were very well organised, very hard to beat. Um, but... That's, that's not where, where Spurs see themselves. That's not what they want to be. They want to be a team that are, are creative, that are playing on the front foot, that are attacking and making the most out of the likes of, of Son and Harry Kane. And he was never that guy. Um, and, and it just reeked. I feel like from the, the moment he was hired, it reeked of, of desperation that, that they'd looked at all these options, they'd gone down a list and then, oh, he, he'll come. Uh, and, and, you know, the... the the mask of that, that first month he had where they won three games, one nil. 
And and let's be honest, he, he got manager of the month because they had three straight victories, but the football wasn't particularly very good. They actually played Wolves um, early in that. I think Wolves was the second game and, and Wolves battered them, absolutely battered them, but lost 1-0. Um, obviously, the Man City result on the opening day was a pretty similar story. Um, and, and and I think that this was just, you know, you saw, you saw them against Man United at the weekend. And, and if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer could have hand-picked an opponent, he would have hand-picked that Spurs team. Um, because he had all kinds of pressure on him and his team come out and, and come out fighting. Okay, they went to five at the back, they were very well organised, but you looked at Spurs throughout that game and you just thought to yourself, they're not going to break them down here. There was nothing, there was nothing going forward from that Spurs team. And, and when Nuno's got a, a team that can't really defend well either, he's on a hiding to nothing. Um, the stats have been damning about their attacking play, the stats have been damning about their defensive play. And, and I think that this was a, a situation that, okay, it's been a short amount of time and Daniel Levy has to take a hell of a lot of um, blame for this entire scenario and how it's played out. But ultimately, sacking him is the right decision because Spurs were only going one way with, with him in charge and, and that was nowhere. Mark, he was... Tarwood is fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth choice. Um, you know, with with that in mind, um, really, it always seemed destined to fail, didn't it? Maybe not as quickly as it has, but but always never really seemed to be, you know, success on the cards. No, um, it probably just got to a point where maybe Spurs were a bit embarrassed that the the, the sort of search for a manager had gone on as long as it had, and there was kind of various sort of, you know someone's on the brink of taking it and then they're not again. And then obviously Conte was involved in that. And, um, and then it just sort of came down to Nuno. And, and I think you can have a degree of sympathy with him. I think it, it's, he was just the job was too big for him. I think that's, that's basically all it is. There's not much more to it. Um, I, I, you know, I, I quite liked that, that Wolf side he had that first year when he, when he came up and then that sort of second year after, but you could see, was that the third season last season when there was a drop off in the, yeah. in, 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 in the Premier League? Um, and completely you, lost their mojo. Yeah, and obviously they lost, they lost players, um, Jimenez to injury, Jota left. So that was an issue. And and I just think Nuno himself, I mean, you could see towards the end of that season, he just looked a bit drained. And I think the, the whole of last season from a lot of people in football was a bit draining, given everything around it and all the COVID stuff and no fans to sort of cheer you on. And, and I think there must have been a, a large part of a lot of people involved in football questioning what the point of it all was last season, and and I just and and for him to emerge from that, um, and then go into you know the biggest job of his the biggest job he's had. I know he's at Valencia, wasn't he in Porto? But I think Spurs would certainly Premier League wise. Obviously, you know you got you're a bit more exposure. Um, that wonderful stadium they've got. So for him to go from off the back of a really draining season into going into that job, and it's obvious he's not the man they want really. And there were just some really confusing things said. I mean, I think Levy was talking about attacking football, and and it's, it just what it just didn't fit. And um, and yeah, I I was slightly surprised at how quickly it sort of ramped up. Because um, you know, going into that United game, everyone was talking about Solskjaer, um, and then it was pretty. You know, what was it? Less than an hour into the game, when he he um, he took off Lucas Moore, and he all the you know the way the crowd reacted, you just thought it's, there's no way back for him here. Um, so yeah, the swiftness of it um, was a slightly surprising, but but I think as we'll probably go on to say, that one of the reasons for that was because they've got a very very good candidate who's available and lined up and now going to take the job. 
Indeed, and uh, you know, as I said, we're, we're going to assume that Antonio Conte is going to come in. So, Alex, what do you think? Do you think he is the right man? Um, you know, he's famous for playing three at the back. He's obviously had success pretty much everywhere that he's gone, but possibly not with teams that you know are kind of the sixth, seventh best in the league. So, do you think that he can be the guy to to finally take Spurs up to? You know, they're probably not going to win the league title anytime soon. But I think even getting them back into the Champions League at this stage would be Pretty impressive. If anyone's going to do it, he's certainly capable. He's one of very few elite A-class coaches in world football. And for Spurs to be attracting him, it's a huge upgrade for them. Um, I guess similar was said about Jose Mourinho when he went there, but Mourinho's best years have been behind him. That's been proven. Um, Conte is very much in his prime. he did a great job at Juventus. Obviously, they hadn't been champions for however long um, and, and had been demoted to Serie B and were just mid, kind of seventh in Serie A, middling when he took charge there. You can argue he, he arrived at the right time, but he turned them into winners. He turned them into champions. He, he shook a few cages. Um, he did a good job with Italy. Great job at Chelsea for, in that first year. Okay, it tailed off in the second, but won an FA Cup and then obviously had fallings out there. And then into Milan did a great job. Um, he will rattle cages of this Spurs team, no doubt about it, and that's exactly what's needed. Um, there are a lot of players there that you can see are going through the motions right now. And it looks like a team that are possibly devoid of confidence, that look a little bit unorganised. He's as good as they could get. He's, he's what makes the sacking of Nuno right, getting him. Um, because they are really levelling up by, by bringing him in. and. You know, we're looking at the table now. They are only five points off the, the top four as it stands. Um, he has a run in the first possibly month, six weeks, pretty kind fixtures where he can get them on a bit of a roll and, and build some momentum. Um, so I think if you're looking at Spurs and you're saying, can they finish in a European spot? Can they finish in the top four? If, he can, if he's allowed to get down to business quickly and get his methods across, and the players buy in, there's a chance there. There's definitely a chance there for Spurs this season. Um, and I think that, you know, hammer Daniel Levy for how, how poor the, the summer um, job search went. But to, to get this done very swiftly and to get Conte in now gives Conte that time and, and allows Spurs to, to go and challenge again. Yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting to see another world-class manager coming to the Premier League. Um, at this stage, we're kind of getting a bit saturated with world-class managers and it's going to be interesting to see which ones of those do miss out because, you know, one or two are very likely to miss out on the Champions League places um, and certainly not all of them can fight for the title. So if you can do it with Spurs, um, then I think that would be incredibly impressive. Um, but moving on to the Champions League games tonight, firstly, we're going to go over Manchester United, who head to Atalanta. Um, but firstly, we're going to talk about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Mark, after that Liverpool result, you know, the writing was on the wall, really, wasn't it? 5-0. Everyone was saying that, that he was gone. Um, he's not gone. And they recovered with a decent win over Spurs. But do you believe that they were right to keep him? Who even knows anymore, honestly? <laughs> like, he's, just, he's, just, he's, just, he's bulletproof, isn't he? He's so... He's so... I mean, the, the loss to Liverpool was an absolute shambles. They were, they were, and I thought actually their discipline was was shocking in the in the second half of that as well. They were they were really fortunate not to have more red cards than they did have. 
Um, Liverpool basically stopped playing because they they didn't want to get injured. I think, um, and and yeah, and so you've got this whole week of of Solskjaer, you know, giving it all the you know we're going to regroup and come back and all that sort of stuff. And and Alex is right when he says you know Spurs under Nuno probably was a perfect opponent because it's it's this sort of sheen of a big game, but it's one where you know if you turn up against a side that's quite dispirited under a manager who was struggling, if you set yourself up and you organise well, then you're going to probably get the job done and. And they did that, you know, having, and, and I think he deserves praise for that, having, you know, uh, moving to three at the back. It was a good, call, it was a good decision. You've not done it for a while. Um, and, and it paid off, you know, the, uh, the lads in midfield did a good job, the lads up front. So the very old lads up front with a combined age of 70. Um, so he, he's, he, he probably had that team in mind on the Tuesday, Wednesday. And he thought, right, you know, we're, we're going to go in there and we're going to do the job. Um, I mean, it, and it's, it's a petty result. Obviously, they're going to go to Atalanta now and whether or not he picks the same sort of formation again, I'm not sure. Is it something he wants to stick with? I mean, the the two lads up front, you can't play them every game because, you know, they're they're both as old as me and, and, and you know, that's, 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 a, that's a difficult thing. You can't really play those all the time. So, I just think, you look at Conte going to Spurs now and I, I, it baffles me some of the stuff that was said around Solskjaer when you saw Neville talking about likening it to Mourinho, and it's completely different to Mourinho. You know, he's 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 a manager at the, at the at the top of his top of his game, top of his profession. He's going to come in and he is going to rub shoulders with with um, the best managers in the Premier League. So Solskjaer will be whatever happens, will plod on, and they've got City at the weekend as well. And then, I mean, you know, what is it going to take another Liverpool-esque result for it to be a crisis again? Um, they just seem to have just they bought into him and they're sticking with him. And, and um, whilst that's admirable in some ways, I just think they're, they're sleepwalking. And, and you look at, you know, Conte going to Spurs, I think, I think there's a real chance of top four now. Um, and, and United, have, who've got, as well as City on the horizon, they've got Chelsea as well at the end of this month. Um, you've got to think if they were to lose both of those matches, that's, that's any hope of the title gone, which is something that they were all talking about. In the summer, they were going to make a title charge after all these new signings. So, so does that mean that Solskjaer's under pressure again because he's not delivered on what he said? Um, it, it's still all a mess to me. Um, and there's, there's every chance to go to Atlanta and win, but then um, how, how much further along does that take things? I don't know. Um, so it, it's just United under Solskjaer, isn't it? It's just another, another day, another day, <laughs> another game, another confusion. And... Um, and uh, they'll obviously they'll, they'll have learned from the home game when they went 2-0 down. So you'd think that there's some level of organisation and, and some level of improvement there. Um, and I, w- I think they'll probably get the job done this evening, which I think a win would pretty much get them there. I know they lost um, young, young boys, didn't they? But you'd think they'll beat them at home, so that'll be enough. So I, 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 think, I think they'll be fine and get through this group. They, I mean, they should do, looking at it on paper, shouldn't they? Yeah, they're top of the group at the moment. Um, they won their, their next two games after losing to young boys and probably the only reason they lost two young boys is because they got a red card so the strange thing about all of this is they haven't convinced any of their games but really they probably should be sitting top of that group with nine points um, but I don't know to, to me it felt like the Spurs win papered over the cracks again you know, I'm not sure there's much paper left for all of the cracks at Man United um, but Alex what, what's your view of the situation on Solskjaer I mean do they stick with him they seem to want to stick with him but nobody else can really work out why I think do they stick with him? It's just just a remote question now, isn't it? They are sticking with him. Um, you can argue 
until the cows come home about whether it's the right or wrong decision, but that's just that's just the way they're going. For from for what it's worth, we could be I wouldn't be surprised if we're sitting here next Monday and Tottenham are above Man United in the league table. Um with with Spurs going to Everton on Sunday and United playing City on, on Saturday. You mentioned earlier, Joe, about all these elite managers in the Premier League now. Man United, why haven't Man United got one? The, they are the self-proclaimed biggest club in the world. The self-proclaimed biggest club with the most money should have an elite manager, and they've gone for a, they've gone for a club legend, and he will always be a club legend, but he isn't an elite manager. And and you can argue, oh, he does this right, he does that right. That's that's all well and good, but he isn't an A-grade elite manager. He isn't a Jurgen Klopp. He isn't a Pep Guardiola. He isn't an Antonio Conte. Um, I've seen a number of Spurs fans joke that they're they're actually playing 4D chess, losing to United at the weekend. So Solskjaer keeps his job and they get Conte instead rather than than turning United over. Solskjaer gets sacked and Conte ends up there. Um, And and, and there's there's a semblance of truth in that. Um, This Man United team is, is... a capable team. They have players that are outstandingly gifted and they should be challenging for, for trophies this season. And, and I've said it till I'm blue in the face. They signed the likes of Rafael Varane, Jadon Sancho, Cristiano Ronaldo in particular in the summer. That meant Ole Gunnar Solskjaer needed to be challenging for the league title and he needed to be challenging for the big silverware. And now we're sitting here and they are, they're well off it. And, and that, the, the thing where we say about he needed to be challenging what was the plan to challenge? You know, like what was what what was the idea? What was the what you know? Was it literally just here's some here's some very good players now go and win matches? That's that's not how it worked. Well, no, um, but it, you sign Cristiano Ronaldo and you pay him however much money, you you then have to be challenging for that title, especially after you finish second last season. You sign a player like Rafael Varane with everything he's won. He's a huge upgrade on Victor Lindelof, so that makes sense, and and that should be progression. Stick team it just teams, isn't, is it? Teams need to go on this kind of progressive journey, and you you know you look at like when they lost to Liverpool, the immediate aftermath was, oh, Man United are terrible. Liverpool were good on the day. Liverpool have only got to that position through years of work, you, you know, years of years of work, players understanding the system, understanding the manager. It it didn't just happen overnight. No, you but know, United you, have made progress in the last few years. They have got better. Um, I think that's been clear to see. He has improved from year on year. But when you sign, yeah, when you sign the players they've signed this summer, they have to go from being, OK, we're going to challenge for the top four to we need to be smack banging in, in the middle of a title race this year. Especially when you see what Thomas Tuchel's done at Chelsea. Yeah. And you see how, they, how he's progressed them so quickly. And Solskjaer needed to do that with United this season, but it just hasn't happened. And, and you look at it, we look at the game last week and we look at, Okay, you go to a five at the back, you call on all your very experienced stars to dig you out of a hole. Um, and then my question would be, well, what does that say about your younger players and how you trust them? And again, you're looking at Jaden Sancho sitting on a bench once again, and you're thinking you've spent 73 million on him. Surely you had a role earmarked for Jaden Sancho when you spent two years chasing him. And now he's just sitting there and he can't get in your team when you're playing a formation that he fits in. You, you, you're looking at they're playing five at the back. Well, he doesn't really fit in that side either. Um, it's, it, it's just the continued baffling nature of Manchester United that is perfect, that is most encapsulated by Solskjaer as manager. 
I think just finally on Man United, basically in sum, it's very unusual for a big side who have had a manager for that long to not have a style. They, they don't have a particular style yeah. and the players that they bring in don't don't fit that style. Um, and that's the reason why they're not as good as Liverpool, Chelsea, City and probably Spurs if, if Conte can get his, his hands on them. But moving on to Chelsea and um, speaking of you know elite managers, they very much do have one. Um, they play Malmo tonight in a game that you would very much expect them to win a game. Arguably, to be fair, they might not need to win, but given that they lost to Juventus, it, they would look you know a, a lot prettier if they did win it. Not including the game against uh, Southampton, they've actually won their last three games by an aggregate score fourteen nil. I haven't included the Southampton game because that was a Carabao Cup game and it was like a much changed lineup and whatever. Um, but Mark, Chelsea tonight, it's surely just going to be more of the same, and it? You'd be very surprised if it was anything but a, a comfortable win, despite the fact that they're still without their strikers. Yeah, but they won't need them. Uh, you know, they've, they've, they've got so many good attacking threats. You know, you, you can just imagine now, can't you, the likes of Hudson-Odoi will probably get a game and maybe Loftus-Cheek in midfield, and that'll be more than enough to, to get past uh, Malmo, who obviously were handsomely beaten at, at Stamford Bridge as well. And yeah, just I mean, we're going to do it again. But going back and look, look, you know, Solskjaer, looking at his three years, and then you've got two cool. It's it's really strange, strange to think he's been there less than a year. Um, you know, it's, it's it was it was January last year, wasn't it? When 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 Lampard left, which seems a long time ago now. Um, and he's just he just exudes uh, a sort of confidence and a calm. I think he's someone you'd, you'd like to play for because he's um, he's a bit of a bit of a sort of football nerd, isn't he? Is you know, in 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 a way that like I can just imagine him kind of pouring over stats and formations and little sort of passing triangles and cutting off the passing lanes and all that sort of stuff. I I and you'd listen to him. You'd you'd I'd I'd listen to him for hours because he he probably would come out with all these things and um and yeah they 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 look ominous at the minute. They're 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 playing they probably haven't played the best of opposition recently, but um they you know, everyone said obviously when when Lukaku was injured and then Timo Werner was out, um, you know, would would they struggle? But they they've proved they don't need that. And um, and yeah, I think tonight they'll make short work of it. Um, they you know it's probably a game that they'd want to get done kind of early doors before the hour mark and then make some changes. Um, and I'd fully expect them to do that. And um, they yeah they they're looking very good. I mean, the goals are coming from all over all over the place. You know, you look at Reese James at the weekend as well. Um, so everything seems quite rosy for them. The three points clear, and I, I think they they would have left that pitch at St James's Park on on Saturday and, and heard that Liverpool and City have both dropped points, and it would have been a really good atmosphere in that dressing room, I think. And that is not good for the rest of the Premier League uh, title challenges. Um, and yeah, Champions League, I expect them to breeze through tonight as well. Just moving on to tomorrow's games, um, we'll start with the Man City game because. A massive surprise, and you know, it is a huge surprise these days when, when one of the big teams actually loses a game. Um, but Man City beaten by Palace at the weekend, Alex. I mean, obviously, a huge shock. Is this slightly worrying for them, or is it just a blip? Or you know, uh, how, how would you feel about that? I think it's just a blip. I think, I think he every season when since Pep Guardiola has been there, there's always been a kind of whether it's in, in, in November or October or December, there's always been kind of a Say a little two-week period where they've dropped points, where they where they've drawn a game and then lost one, or they've lost two on the bounce, or or something like that, where where you've just looked at them and they've had this little blip. You know, eight days ago they've smashed Club Bruges five-one away from home, and then they've gone to Brighton, a, a good Brighton team, and and won four-one, and, and with some tremendous football being played. 
Um, so I think this is just a little blip. I think they come up against the Crystal Palace team, but are really starting to believe in their selves and their methods right now. And they, they just had an off day. Um, even, but even with 10 men, they, they dominated the ball and they still created some chances. And, and it was just that little bit of profligacy in front of goal where they were unable to find an equaliser. And, and then obviously they can see the late second. Um, I don't think there's too much wrong with them. I think we all know, yes, they don't have a centre forward really in name. Um, but I'm really enjoying watching Phil Foden play there and seeing how he's developing. I don't think there's a lot wrong with them. I think they play Club Bruges at home, they'll beat Club Bruges, and then, then they go into the derby at the weekend and, you know, they're a bit wounded. Um, they will be without Amrick Laporte for that game through suspension, but you've got John Stones coming back to to really stake his his claim for a place because he hasn't really had much of a look in so far, has he, for City, um, having been so good last year. Um, so I'd, I'd fully expect them to bounce back and, and that they go to Old Trafford at the weekend and, and they try and put on a show. They'll try and go there and dominate and, and pick off United. Um, I think it's just a blip. I think I think it's just a blip. They'll soon be back to winning ways and they will be very much in the middle of that title hunt. And, and just to finish on, Mark, obviously the, the other game tomorrow in the Champions League involving a Premier League team is you know probably the biggest game. Um, Liverpool v Atletico Madrid. Liverpool top of the group of death, as they say. Um, if, if they win this game, then then that puts them through. Uh, do you think it's important at this stage that, you know, not important necessarily because obviously even if they lose, they're still in a pretty strong position, but it would probably give them a massive advantage if they can get through because they can kind of, you know, clock off a little bit mentally and physically. Whereas if you've got to, you know, play six group games full on, you know, does that have much of an impact? Do you think that would help them? I think, I mean, it's almost it's unprecedented really. I don't think they've done it this sort of way before. They always tend to leave it late to get through, but I think it probably would to, to have a couple of games where you can sort of chop and change things and maybe, and I think one of the big over sort of overlooked things in, in modern football is when people talk about, you know, strong 11s and first 11s and all that, you know, it's, there, there are players on the fringes of these teams that, that need games. You look at, you know, Liverpool have got someone like um, Minamino or Origi or the, you know, these sort of players who just, you'll see, you'll see for the league cup, but will then drop out again. And to say to them, right, you, you know, you've got a couple of games now. Um, and obviously the flip side of that is Mo Salah won't want to not play because he wants to score in every game. But um, no, I think it, it probably will be an advantage for them to to do that and to just to get it sewn up. I think if um, if the other result goes their way as well and they win, then it's not just through, it's through as group winners. So so the last two games are completely meaningless in, in, in that sense. So um, yeah, I think he'll want to get it done because there's still a few questions around the team and the squad and certainly in midfield where there's been a lot of injuries of late. So um, I think he'll, he'll want to get this done, especially after disappointment at the weekend as well. Um, so yeah, it, it's on the quiet. It's probably a big game for Liverpool because they don't often have results like they had at the weekend where they, they were really sort of pouring that second half and, and, and threw it away. And so he'll want to see a reaction. Um, and uh we obviously saw in that in that first game in in Madrid that uh, you know when when these two play each other it, it tends to be lively and I can imagine there's going to be plenty of uh, Pop and Simeone talk around the next sort of twenty four hours or so um, so they'll want to get it done um, and I think they probably should I mean obviously Atletico will be without Griezmann after he got sent off in the first game so um, yeah I think they'll they, they they should do at home you know with that on the line to get through I think. It, 
it's important that they do because they've got a big game at West Ham on Sunday uh, after they drop points at the, uh, the weekend. So they want to get in, get in a good frame of mind for that, I think. And just finally to finish on, Alex, I was speaking to Mark off camera before because I was looking through Liverpool's results and I couldn't believe actually that their last game that they lost, a competitive game that they lost, they did lose a pre-season friendly. Um, but the last competitive game that they lost was against Real Madrid in a tie that I forgot even happened because it was that long ago. Um, and but then I did remember it happening. It was in yeah. their it was in their training ground, wasn't it? It was one yeah. of those strange ones. Um, but I, yeah, I was really really shocked to see that that was the last game that they lost because they have had a few draws and that's you know slightly behind Chelsea in the Premier League as a result. But with that in mind, that they haven't lost a game this season and the fact that they finished last season so strongly, do you think that this Liverpool side is back to its best? Is as good as the one that won the Champions League in the Premier League? Um, it needs to be. If they, if they want to win the Premier League title this season, it needs to be um, at that level because that's the level that Chelsea and, and City are, are taking them towards and that, and it's going to be that high points marker for the, for the champions again. Um, look, we're, we're a week removed or, or however long removed from them absolutely destroying Manchester United at Old Trafford 5-0 and producing a, a 45 minutes where they weren't anything above possibly a 7 out of 10 scored 4 goals and just ran riot um, they're an outstanding team and, and when they get it right they're absolutely tremendous they've got arguably the best goalkeeper in the world they've got arguably the best centre half in the world they've got arguably the best holding midfielder in the world and they've got arguably the best footballer in the world full stop um, up front so they're, they're there yeah. <laughs> big deal. Um, so, so they're exactly where they need to be right now and, and I think Jurgen Klopp won't mind I think all these these managers of these huge clubs of, of Chelsea Liverpool City they don't mind a blip at this point in the season when the trophies aren't being handed out when, when it's not a do or die game but they don't mind having it now just to refocus minds and just to, to get people making sure that they know these are the standards you have to set there's no dropping below them um, and I think Jurgen Klopp will have been reminding his players this week of precisely that because that Brighton game, they had no right not to not to take all three points. That's they they were well clear and they should have. Um, but but standards dropped, they slipped back, and and Brighton were able to get away with something. I think this is a hell of a tough game for them because Atletico Madrid go there probably with a bit of a sense of injustice after after the game they played a couple of weeks ago, and and knowing full well that Porto and AC Milan are, are playing, and and it's such a tight group this one other than Liverpool um, so I think there could be fireworks in this but again I, I can't back against this Liverpool attack right now I think they are they're really at it so I think they're very much in the middle of a title race they're very much contenders for the Champions League I think one of the one of the great overlooked kind of recent stats in football is the season that Liverpool won the league they won 26 of the first 27 games now Obviously, it gets overlooked because of what came after, because they lost at Watford not long after that, and then the world stopped. And, and <laughs> then, they, it, then it finished. So when we talk about are they back to their best, are they matching their standards, I don't think they'll ever match that standard again to win 26 out of 27 games. I don't think that's, that's possible. So that's what, we, that's what we're measuring it against. Um, and I, 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 they might be chasing that high forever and never get there again, but they're certainly... Um, you know, a, a different team now and probably a more expansive side when it comes to putting teams away and scoring goals. Um, 
and yeah, I think Alex is right. Dropping points at this stage of the season probably isn't um, isn't the be all and end all. But obviously, it didn't happen that season. They won the league, so um, I think things are going along quietly. I say my my concern is is the injuries in midfield at the moment. So it would be nice against Atletico to see Fabinho back in there if he's fit and Thiago if he's fit as well. I think they're both quite close. So that would be a huge boost if, if they could come back. Indeed, and it will be fun to uh, listen to the press conferences later because presumably there's going to be, or at least hopefully there'll, there'll be a little bit of needle between the two managers. I'm just checking now, we've managed to make it through the whole podcast. I wouldn't expect so with Klopp. He, he's a boring. Yeah. <laughs> apart, apart from last week when he had a couple of cracks and a couple of digs. At, yeah, uh, that's, that's what I'm expecting again. Um, that they, they didn't shake hands either, so surely somebody... Did he get asked about that after the game? I can't remember. Somebody's got to ask about that. But what I was going to say was we've managed to make it through the whole podcast without Antonio Conte being appointed, which means he'll probably get appointed between me finishing this and editing it. But you never know. We would, would expect it to be today. But if you've got this far listening to us, then please do give us a like and a subscribe on YouTube or a five star on Apple Podcasts or something on whichever platform you're listening on. Mark, thanks for your time. Alex, thanks for your time. And everybody, thanks for watching and listening. 